Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. It's Wade and Mike continuing our Luther series, series of the thought and life of Martin Luther. Um, we've uh, made it past Luther's actual life here on earth and have gotten into post-Lutheran politics, theology, stuff like that. And we have been using uh, Wade's <clears throat> book, An Uncompromising Gospel, Lutheranism's First Identity Crisis and Lessons for Today. It's sort of a guide. And so uh, there's different controversies that we have gone through. I think the last one we did was the Oceandrian controversy over justification. And today we're going to work on the synergistic controversy over free will, which basically is about business and how you work together and find synergy within a community. And mm -hmm. so you can be successful and make lots. Leadership. It's really about leadership. Synergistic uh, controversy is about um, what, um, path of leadership do we go down? Do we go like the P the Petrine path of leadership or the Pauline path of mm -hmm. leadership, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, really so we can be successful, right? Which is what the church is called to be. This is what we are called to be. We are called to be uh, successful change agents using best practices mm -hmm. and, uh, mission, getting results, mission, objective, getting visions. results, getting results. And, uh, um, I'm surprised we don't use more like, uh, you know, uh, analytic metrics like they do in sports. Mm -hmm. We do in baseball, like in, in the church. Oh, the um, uh, money ball. Yeah. yeah. So like, why am I wasting time talking to people who are not going to be faithful in their giving and stuff like that? So like what we should do is we should start churches in Orange County. Mm-hmm. Or like in Cons new neighborhoods right outside of yep. established cities so, where upwardly mobile couples yep. might be moving. Yep. So conservative mm -hmm. neighborhoods with disposable income. That seems to be best practice. Yeah. And really what the church always did from the very beginning, uh, at least when it was successful. And so the, uh, the synergistic controversy is really about leadership and church growth. Uh, synergy, right? I think I have that right. That seems right. But I'm going to give you, you're the expert on this. I was Maybe just going to see how long you go with it. The, I was enjoying a mic tangent. Some, uh, flesh out some of the nuances of what, what do we mean by synergy? Yeah, and so I think we don't need to go too long with this one because this one is really going to feed into the controversy of over original sin. Um, the controversy over original sin is going to be a result of debates about the, the free will. And so when we're talking about the free will and um, synergy or the synergistic controversy, we're talking about does the will in some way cooperate in salvation? Does it sin with, S-Y-N, right, ergo, work? Um, does it um, work together with God in conversion? And what we're going to have to be really careful is that no one was like, grossly, crudely, you know, like um, advocating for a position that has the will doing a lot. Mm -hmm. um, it, it'd be good to listen to the, the previous wing in it where I think we talked about Aristotle's causes, right? Um, because what the big question will be about is the will one of the causes in conversion or for salvation. And so we'll want to be careful there. But maybe if I can throw it back to you, Michael, just for you to contextualize for people, and I'm not even going to throw any historical details at you, so don't worry. Um, 
if you didn't read up on it. Um, but I think this should hopefully be a softball for you because you work with this a lot in, in your own work. Why would it make sense <clears throat> that discussions of free will inevitably are going to involve discussions about original sin? Why would these two be so connected? And this is the first part of my book largely is going to deal with this too, but um, whether it's when you're dealing with vocation, whether you're dealing with the orientation of things in, 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 in worship, whether we're talking about conversion, why are our will and our uh, sinful nature so um, connected? Yeah, so if really the question is, and I think this is an overall question about the Reformation and in particular the, the post-Luther Reformation controversies is, do we really believe that we're sinful or not? Right? What do you mean by we're sinful? Does that mean that we have a few flaws? Does it mean that my my will is really, 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 really bad? Are like, we wounded? Yeah, I, my will is really, really bad. Like I, you know, it, and and let me back up. Like when we talk about free will, we talk about that as an important thing that God has wants for us and gives and gives to us in a certain respect, right? We are responsible for our actions. He does want us to be free. Um, and But we talk about the will above or below. When it things, comes to things above, can I believe in God by myself? We say, you don't. can you choose to sin or not sin? No, right? You, you are always going to sin, right? There, there, this is Romans 6 and 7, right? You are a slave to sin. Your new man's a slave to righteousness. But then we talk about, well, do I have free will in things below? Like I have a free will to... Um, eat a hamburger or a salad. Now, when we talk a hamburger and a salad, yeah. Um, when we talk about things below, we understand even then it's sort of an illusion, Mm -hmm. right? It's very, very, very wounded. There are some people who are going to take that concept of way we look at freedom, free will, when it comes to things below or better free choice and are going to use that for the whole thing, including things above. Like we get it. We're really, 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 really bad. But there is still, it's still our responsibility if we don't choose God. Therefore, it must be to our glory, even though they wouldn't say it to that way. It would be to their merit, even though they wouldn't say it to that way if they did choose God. So... This is original sin has to do with not just or free will or free choice or bound choice or bound will. It's, it's not just about original sin. It's about grace too. If I'm playing a part in this, as slight as that part may be, A, I'm not, I'm not truly sinful. Mm-hmm. I'm only partially sinful. I'm wounded. I'm, I'm not wounded. dead. And then it's not completely on God. Even if it's just a little sliver. It's still on me. What does that do with faith? Faith is, and, and this is to one of the, 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 the questions at the heart of, of certainly Luther's Reformation is, how can I be sure? Right? How can I be sure? And even if it's just a little sliver of it's up to me, how do I know? How do I know? Uh, because I doubt. How do I know that I did that with purity? It sounds like I'm always going to have some sort of impurity. And so f- my salvation falls into doubt. And so it's not really just a deep philosophical question for Aristotle and, you know, uh, 
Socrates and, and all of those people who have nothing better to do than think about these things. This is real life ramifications for the faith of a Christian, right? Once you start chipping away at the idea of total depravity and original sin, everything unravels, including grace, because then it's not completely up to God. And if it's not completely up to God, then it's partially up to me. And that's a real bad place for faith because either I'm going to become arrogant in my, my supposed righteousness, or I'm honest, I'm cursed with honesty and I fall into despair. Yeah. And so this, um, is going to be, as you can see from Michael unpacking here, why some people might say, why are Amsdorf and Flatius and others going to get so worked up about this? Um, Especially since Melanchthon's not trying to say about it that the, <coughs> that um, the will is doing much, but he's just saying it's not and it's not nothing. Why do they get so worked up? Why is Flacius going to be so worked up that he will let himself get sucked into this debate over original sin? And it's precisely as as, as you got to Mike. This is kind of a zero sum game. It's it's all or nothing. Um, we are either saved by Christ through faith. Or to some degree, we contribute to our salvation. And to the degree to which we contribute to our salvation, salvation rests not only on Christ, uh, and I would say therefore then becomes uncertain. Now, Melanchthon certainly did not mean for this to be the case, but maybe if I can just um, summarize from Melanchthon. um, In this synergistic controversy, it's going to start when a man named Johann Pfeffinger is going to write a defense in 1555, of the Leipzig Interim's language. Um, now, remember, the Augsburg Interim is what Charles V has issued um, after he's kind of conquered the Lutheran territories with the help of Moritz of Saxony. It's this re-Catholicizing agenda. Um, Moritz of Saxony, who was a Lutheran and had been um, head of Ducal Saxony, now has Electoral Saxony, he tells his new Wittenberg faculty, we have to work on something better, a better compromise. And so they write the Leipzig proposal, which the Gnasio Lutherans, in a propaganda coup, get labeled the Leipzig interim. Pfeffinger then in 1555, so a handful of years after the Adiaphristic controversy was over, once um, the emperor had been pushed back out of these Lutheran lands, um, and Lutheranism is kind of free to regroup itself, um, Pfeffinger is going to defend the language of the Leipzig Interim in his work uh, entitled Five Questions Concerning the Freedom of the Human Will. And titles like that just always make me nervous, Mike. Like, You're not just asking questions when you do a title like that normally. Um, the questions usually means you're, you're trying to assert something, right? right? And you can control the narrative if you ask the questions. Right. And so um, he's going to defend <coughs> um, not only this, the synergism of uh, the Leipzig Interim, but that of his teacher and the teacher of most of the people involved, um, with the exception of Amsdorf, the colleague uh, in the past of Amsdorf, um, Philip Melanchthon regarding the will. Um, and so out of a dispute about ceremonies, adiaphora, we now get a dispute about the will, which will be followed by, or um, at the same time have happened, a d- debate about works, Right which will lead to a debate about sin. And we'll see how intertwined these all are. And Pfeffinger is going to largely hold Melanchthon's position, and Melanchthon's position express, uh, expressed in the revised Lotzi. So Melanchthon writes these Lotzi. It's uh, wonderful doctrinal books for the most part, Lotzi communities. And um, 
they uh, are going to topically deal with doctrine. I use the um, the 1521 Lotzi. I hope that I got that year right. 1521, translated by Christian Price um, from CPH. I use that in Romans at the beginning of Romans to kind of get our terms down. Well, Melanchthon keeps playing with this, and in 1543, he's going to talk about three causes for salvation. Um, the Holy or conversion. The Holy Spirit moving the heart, one. The voice of God, two. And then three, here's the problem. The human will, which assents to the divine voice. Um, <clears throat> now, maybe, Michael, if you want to just briefly hit on again for us, if you can give us a, a bit of caution regarding um, when we hear cause in modern English, yeah. we always think it's the cause is the thing that made the thing happen. Cause and effect. Right. Maybe if you can just yeah. So that a cause bit is probably in a broader sense is if I if I'm going to describe something, I'm going to come at it at different ways, um, and and this will somewhat loosely be translated in English as causes. I'm not explaining that super well, but think about Aristotle's four causes, right? So I, I, I when I teach this in, in class, I hold up one of the, the whiteboard markers and I say, okay, this is the, what's the material cause? Plastic, ink, felt, that's what it's made of. The formal cause, a writing utensil. And then what is the efficient cause? That is um, who, you know, how did it get here? Who made it? So People mined the raw materials, the chemists did their thing, packaging, invent, all that kind of stuff. And, and the whole point is that we get to the final or the teleological cause is this marker, to fully explain this marker that I'm holding up in front of the people and the students is say, you have to still ask the why question. And so the, the teleology, um, the, the end goal and purpose is education. So if there was no education, no concept of education, this marker would not exist. So that's different than, and that's hard to call it those four causes because education did not directly cause this, right? It's a little, little fuzzy. So you're, you're, and then the, 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 the formal cause that this is a writing utensil well, that didn't really cause it. It's just sort of a, a concept. So, you know, to give Melanchthon kind of the, the benefit of the doubt, he's not saying the will cause it as a cause and effect salvation. But we say this very often. Um, you do the believing, right? I mean, your heart does the believing. Your soul does the believing. But it is still a gift of God. It can Both things can be true, right? So... You know, Melanchthon is probably thinking a little bit more on the lines of if you don't have a will, <laughs> there's nothing for that. There's nothing, you know, the, in order to fully explain this thing called faith and salvation, you need to tell me about the will. You need to tell me about the human will. And so in that Aristotelian way of thinking, when I use the word causes, I'm not thinking primarily cause and effect. I'm thinking how do I explain the whole case? How do I explain the whole situation? Is that helpful? Yeah. So it's, um, Oswald Bayer puts it, he says it's, um, Melanchthon is talking about it as the will's capacity to be, capacity to be turned towards salvation, mm -hmm. right? So, um, And this is a passive capacity. Right. Yes. Um, <clears throat> it, 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 the kindest possible mm -hmm. construction, yeah, yeah. would take it in that way. Um, so... Why is this a problem, though? 
um, as Bayer also will point out, and I would recommend Bayer's um, journal article uh, regarding the anthropology of, um, uh, let me give it here, Freedom, question mark, the anthropological concepts in Luther and Melanchthon compared. Um, it's in the Harvard Theological Review, October of 98, um, by the German uh, theologian Oswald Bayer. I think it would be fair to say, Michael, we both enjoy Bayer's work, mm -hmm. so we, I know that you've used it um, with vocation, right, with the um, his book on sanctification. I think yeah, that. more like justification a little bit more, but of course those, yeah. Um, and uh, um, I, I've used uh, Bayer a lot regarding uh, his just the justifying word and how it works. Um, but Bayer will note as well that there's no certainty of salvation without the unfree will, which I think is what you were hitting on before, Mike. And so this uh, introduction, um, I hope I got the, the Lotzi right. I think it was 1543. This introduction of the will as the third cause um, is interesting because Melanchthon is essentially doing somewhat what Erasmus was trying to do when he wrote against Luther, which prompted the writing of the bondage of the will. Now, I would say um, Erasmus' main concern was to um, rescue merit, to preserve merit. Um, and so uh, Erasmus will argue in all these different ways um, that if you take away some measure of free will, you take away merit, and merit has to play some role in salvation. Erasmus may have had his issues with the Roman Catholic Church, but at at his core, um, he was a Roman Catholic, right? And this um, was conducive with the, the semi-Pelagianism of, of Rome. Melanchthon is not trying to do that. Um, I would say Melanchthon's driving concern seems to be to preserve human responsibility. Um, the big fear, and we'll see this when people get worked up about uh, fallacious defense of uh, original sin is more than an accident, is to preserve human responsibility, but also to defend God from any charges of being an author um, of evil. And here I would say, this is, I know we sometimes joke about my leeriness about doing too much theology um, regarding uh, the attributes of God, right? So much systematic theology loves to start with this prolegomena about the attributes of God. And there's, um, there's plenty of Bible for the attributes of God. But I think if there's anywhere that um, that reason and a lot of just metaphysical assumptions can make their way in, it would be with the attributes of God. Now, I am not saying this as some sort of prologue to now say that God is the author of evil. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but I do want to say that uh, what's a good way to say this without getting myself in trouble? Milton, in Paradise Lost, right, famously says he wants to justify the ways of God to men. Mm -hmm. That's not the task of the biblical theologian. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, Luther's position on the will does not make God the author of evil, but it does come darn close sometimes um, to sounding like that could be the case. Um, but as Luther notes in there, that's because God is working with a fallen world. Mm -hmm. And he's working for and with and through sinners. And so God works through Judas for Christ to be crucified, right? And Luther will distinguish somewhat between foreknowledge and um, different types of uh, uh, 
ways in which God can work through a thing. Uh, but we don't do biblical theology from a fear that some might get the impression of of God that's not clean enough yeah, you, uh, in some metaphysical way. You, Maybe you, you can let, say it better you, than me. you got to let God be God finally, right? Right. And <clears throat> there, there is a little bit of an arrogance when we when we do what we call theodicies, right? Like God needs us as his PR team. Right. right? Romans is, 9 through 11 is in the Bible, and it's really hard to teach, but yeah, it's there. Right. And, and Isaiah th- has passages. That- yeah, and we were kind of making fun of synergism, you know, that, you know, the double meaning there, or how that word is used in today's business world and, and church world sometimes. But this is sort of the <clears throat> theology of glory of the late modern American church, which is how do I sell God, right? Mm-hmm. And I got to clean, if, you know, if I just give God a little bit more curb appeal, we could sell this house. Well, that's not how it works. And you're in, in, inevitably creating a God in your own image, uh, which almost always happens to be white middle class with disposable income, right? right? And, that's, and that's problematic. And then no wonder there is a backlash to say, um, where is the God of the, the fallen? Where is, where is the Jesus who is black, who is a person of color, who, you know what I mean? Right. So would it be fair to say, Michael, as well, that it leads to really bad pastoral care? Oh, absolutely. And, and I, you know, we're going a little bit off field to the main point here, but that's what we mean by a theodicy and this theology of the cross, uh, territory, right? Um, I'm not sure that you understand what is good and evil all the time, Right. Um, I think you need to kind of back off a little bit there. And uh, I don't want to fall into the trap of saying, well, God closes a door, he opens a window. But there is something like you could, this evil thing actually could be for your eternal good in a Romans 8 sort of thing. And so that not only does God allow something that we perceive evil, but he sends it, Mm -hmm. right? So we are careful. The Old Testament talks about things like that again and again. We are careful. We are careful not to say that God is the careful not to say that God is the author, author. of evil. Um, he's not the source of evil for sure. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to say that he doesn't send it because I can't. So because he can use, um, you know, Luther notes in the bondage of the will. If the horse limps, it's not because if a lame horse limps, it's not because of the rider. Yeah. Um, and so in a fallen world and, and they, in the Christian life, there's often, um, similarity um, to where even as we serve as Christians vocationally, we serve in a fallen world mm-hmm. and we sometimes have to um, work with what we have. And it's why the Christian life, if we don't understand the gospel can be paralyzing. It's why yeah. Luther told Melanchthon sin boldly um, because sometimes we have to venture all things, which means you might get messy yeah. serving sinners in a sinful world, not get messy in a way that you're trying to indulge your sinful yeah. pl- passions, but but because all we have is fallenness to work with. And, and maybe just, or getting way off topic, but just... A I don't think we are, though, too far, but... Um, you know, we, we, especially in a postmodern world, which is acutely aware of suffering and extremely moralistic, even while denying objective morality, which I think there's... Uh, <laughs> That's maybe a time, a different episode. Um, but when when you go down when you go down that road, you're finally going down the the road of the law, right? And um, 
I kind of lost my train of thought here. What were we talking well, about Well, I think where you're going, Michael, and I would uh, tell me if I'm building on this wrong. It's no coincidence that Melanchthon was big into astronomy and even what we might call astrology today. Um, the desire to preserve human order and to want to have the ability to give some rationale to things that happen in the world, to suffering um, or anything else, to be able to ask like the apostles did to Jesus, why was this man born blind, his sin or his parents, is that it is scary um, if we don't have that law framework because there's things in the world that just become downright um, inexplicable mm -hmm. Um, and and that's not as easy to navigate um, or um, to uh, to keep a clean ledger of. I don't, is that where you were going? Um, I can't remember, but thanks for bailing me out there. What I was going to say was brilliant. I do know yeah. that. I do remember that part that yeah. it was going to be brilliant. Um, I got the but... sense that's where you were going. <laughs> yeah, but I no, do I think. think so. I mean, human. Re why why protect human responsibility? That's law, right? And um, and this is not a big knock on Melanchthon. Um, we all have a propensity to want to fall back. I'm, I Every day I assess my life in law terms, and I've been Lutheran for uh, um, at least officially, I don't know if actually like mm -hmm. meaningfully, but um, it's like 26 years now. Mm -hmm. um, but I still will find myself going, oh, I did this, and then this went well, and then, you know, like even about like, there's times like I want something good to happen and I'm like, well, I better make sure I really behave today. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you don't do that because you've just always been very Orthodox Lutheran. But but I still can get that superstitious kind of fallback thing. And um, right, this, this desire um, to protect human responsibility in the name of protecting God is not really protecting God. Mm -hmm. It's protecting me from God, if that makes sense. Yeah. You're using the law as a, as a shield. From the law. From the law, right. Yeah. Yeah, and that I think that's... And this is where the hidden God plays in, where also may be where you were trying to go yeah. before. I don't know. I completely spaced out. I don't know what I was thinking. Okay. I, th I could tell it was going to be good. You had... And it was like... And I didn't interrupt you either. No, it was, it was perfect. Somewhere. It was just... It was absolutely brilliant, the thought. I should have wrote it down. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Maybe it'll come back to me. But the, but the ultimate fact is... Um, this desire to preserve some place for the will, even if the will is just being used. Um, when you take that pen, we used Aristotle's causes, right? And you're taking all the materials that made that pen. Someone put those materials together. They didn't do anything but be the materials. And then you write on the board. The pen's not... The pen couldn't write anything on the board without you doing it, Michael, right? All, all the pen could do was would be rest on the little shelf thing by the whiteboard. And yet, in some way... Uh, the desire, the uh, the need being felt to introduce this, um, <clears throat> laws up the gospel. And um, in the end, while the thought is it's terrifying to to deal with God and fellow man apart from law, the fact is at the end of the day, um, a will that is to some degree free in matters of salvation ought to be much more terrifying. When I have an unfree will and I am completely dependent upon God for salvation, I am completely dependent upon God and there is no safer place to be than in complete dependence upon God. Um, because then I am the lost sheep, then I am the prodigal son, then I am the lost key. 
I am these things that, that the Savior seeks up, um, the things that he, he cares for. Um, then I am Mary and John at the foot of the cross when, when he gives John and Mary to each other and says, now here is your mother. Um, that's who I have, that God um, to whom I can, uh, as uh, Luther in the German, sake, I can abandon myself. Um, and, and rest in him. And so Amsdorf, who will first take up this fight against um, Pfeffinger, and then uh, Flacius or Flacius, I don't, I don't know how we want to officially say it on the podcast. Well, I, you know, can we just go with Flacius since that's how we say it in the wells? Yeah, it's fine. Which one do you prefer? I, well, I'm used to Flacius, so. Okay, okay. I'm going to try to stick well, to them. The, the other pronunciation makes us sound smarter, though. Yeah. The, in my dissertation defense, on the committee, there were people, three people who insisted on saying it different ways. And so I just, out of fear, I have it ingrained in me to like yeah. cover all the bases. Although yeah. I don't say Flacius. Okay. But that was the third one. Flacius, yeah. Flacius, yeah. Flacius. I really get irritated by like all these names and like just let it go. Yeah. There's not going to correct pronunciation. Let's try about to, or things. you know what? Let's be charitable. If you think Flacius sounds smarter, we can go with Flacius. Yeah, Flacius. We can class fine. it up. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try to stick with yeah. that then. Um, but that's the threat they recognize. <clears throat> and then we'll see in the next wing in it. Why it makes total sense that it then goes to original sin. Because what's the biggest argument against a, um, a, a f- will that is in some degree free in conversion or for salvation? <clears throat> it's that the scriptures don't teach that we are wounded. Mm-hmm. That's why I keep saying wounded. Mm. The scriptures teach that we are dead. Mm-hmm. And this is why when Strigel will say, well, original sin is an accident... An accident being like my hair, which gets thinner every year. Rather than essence. It doesn't make me me, right? I'll still be me when I'm balder. Um, If I get chalk on my shirt and wipe it off, that's an accident. That's why Flacius reacts like he does. Mm -hmm. Because essentially that sounds like you're saying, well, then you're not dead. Mm -hmm. I would say maybe this is a good reminder that in some of these things there was no need to reintroduce Aristotle. Again, I love the concept of Aristotle's not the problem. We get that that message like, oh, Aristotle's Aristotle's not the problem. The problem is shoehorning shoehorning scripture into Aristotelian categories, right? Right. The prophets and apostles, when they use these terms or these phrases, were not thinking in those categories. and And the same is true for science. And you have to be careful not to throw Aristotle completely out because he is helpful in how you think clearly. Right. And there are places like in Trinitarian doctrine where some of these terms can be helpful. Sure. But you always have to ask, is it necessary to use it here? Is this is this making for better preaching or worse preaching? Is this making for better pastoral care or worse pastoral care? Most importantly, maybe even, does this make any difference outside of the academy? Do we even need to be in this playground? Yeah. Right? Um, and so... Uh, those of you who are listening, most of you are like me. I won't speak for Mike, but most of you are like me. You have a will that just constantly wants to be free before God to some degree. I want to, I want to be able to do something to help affect my standing with God. I, even sometimes with the, most, um, the, with the best of demonic intentions, mm-hmm. um, I want to just be able to do nice things for God um, that, that will please him and that he will then, you know, he'll love me and this will be great for our relationship. Um, Who wants to be hated by anybody, let alone God? And so, um, and if anyone knows, 
Michael, you know, because you hold this power with me. I'm someone who I want to be loved. Mm-hmm. We all do. Uh, it, yeah. No, you know how to cripple me with this, right? <laughs> uh, and, uh, but, uh, right, when I start thinking in that way, rather than my works are merely flowing from the love of God for me and confidence in his love, what am I doing? I'm falling back on the will. I'm bringing the law back in where it doesn't belong. Read Paul in Galatians again and again. He excludes mm-hmm. the law from this uh, relationship. We ought not make what Melanchthon was doing here more nefarious than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Pfeffinger had no reason to defend it at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully we can see the threat, and next time we will pick up with original sin. I'll let you, if you have any closing thoughts, Michael, um, share them. Otherwise, you can wrap us up. Or if you thought of your where you I were did. going. You know, when you, when you hear like words like synergism or something similar like semi-Pelagianism and stuff like that, and you go, okay, that is a historical theological problem. Especially these two, this is an everyday problem. This is, this, is, this is not just an everyday problem for people outside of the Christian church. It's a problem for us. This is a problem for each individual that we're always trying to, we're always trying to inch our way back into the conversation. And, uh, you know, there's, there's always the line that I keep going back to is God attacks your best, mm-hmm. right? Um, he says, if you come to him with your, with your, your best, he's really going to come and attack your best. And, and here's a theology of the cross language is where somebody um, comes with their best and that's precisely what God is going is gonna, to is gonna destroy, right? For your eternal good. And so... Can you say that God sends evil? Yeah, for the sake of that, you would actually trust him, right? So um, it, this, is, this is, every one of us is always trying to self-justify ourselves before man and whether we admit it or not before God. And God is in his love. He will use love, he will use law and suffering to, 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 to close off every path that we make towards our self-justification for our good. So we have nowhere to go, but to him. So this little will, this idea that I can work, this idea that I'm not, that I'm only wounded and not completely dead, just always tries to creep in. And you and I, with these, with, with Lutheran rabbit ears, sniff this out. Right. And so, uh, this is why pastors sometimes get a little cranky and people don't understand why about this particular hymn or this particular sermon or this particular Sunday school hymn material. Is a good one, yeah. And you're like, mm, you know, you're like, and you're like, what's the big deal? It's not, it doesn't say anything wrong. And you go, well, it doesn't say anything right either. Yeah. Right. Just because something's not wrong does not mean that it's, it's not, it's, it's unhelpful. Right. So it's just, it just, it's just, it creeps in doesn't mm-hmm. it? Because we as human beings want to self-justify ourselves, whether we admit it or not. We fell into sin with the human will, and the devil seeks to use it to keep us in it. And uh, I think the only the only way to, to deal with that, the only thing to do in the face of that challenge is to, uh, to let the bird fly. Every evening when 
the sun goes down, get my party and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just a drink. I set them up another round. I set them up another round. I set them up another round. 